Welcome to Not Just a Hashtag, where your hosts, Nicole Escobar and mental health counselor, Kristen Torres, connect hope and healing from sexual abuse into everyday life. Have you been sexually abused and want to know what healing looks like? Do you want a sense of safety to return to your life? Do you need a release from inappropriate shame? Or do you feel a sense of unworthiness? In this episode, we will look at the importance of walking through healing from sexual abuse, what it looks like, and where you can begin. However you define healing, or whatever reason you find yourself here, we want you to feel supported and encouraged as you follow the path to healing and begin to regain control of your life. Well, hey, Kristen, I'm so happy to be here with you. And um, for our listeners who may have noticed that we took a two month break, uh, we needed a little refresh, we needed to really sit down and talk about where we wanted to go with this podcast from here. And um, I just want to share with you that Kristen and I, we had this awesome conversation a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about how one of the elements, probably the most important element of the healing journey or trauma or or just life in general is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was mentioning to her how I felt like I, we sort of glazed over it in the last couple of episodes or in the past couple of seasons. um, And that just moving forward, I really wanted that to be at the forefront of who we are on not just a hashtag and why we are here and what, why we do what we do. And Kristen, what were your thoughts on that? Same. I thought that was awesome because I know that anything good that has happened in my life is because of the Lord. So, um, and I know, you know, we're on the same page on that. So I'm really excited, you know, to be starting the season out this way and just, you know, having that focus. And I'm excited for what's ahead for people, you know, um, the listeners, you Mm -hmm. know, me too. So, um, What we want this episode to be about is the importance of going through healing. One of the things I constantly hear from people is I'm not ready yet, or I'm just, it's too scary, or I'm not, I just don't know if I want to do it. And I thought, why not come out the beginning of the year with a reminder of the problem of sexual abuse and the importance of why people need to address it? Because sexual abuse affects everything in a person's life. Um, like myself, um, if you've heard my story before, you know that I denied, I minimized, I used to never associate the problem that happened to me when I was a child with my problems currently that I was going through. I would make excuses all the time. Like, oh, well that has something to do with some, my, you know, growing up or whatever. Mm -hmm. I never associated them. So, The first thing I want to do is go over a list of statistics. I do this often because it's so important that you, as our listeners, understand the scope of the problem, that this is not just this happens to people in third world countries. This happens to people in certain classes of people that you need to understand this is happening to every person. This I've said it before, it affects 100% of us. If it's not you, it is your friend. It is your family, someone someone in your school or someone at church or someone that you're going to come in contact with. And it's better to be equipped and it's better to know certain things about sexual abuse, specifically stats, so that you can start there. You don't have to know all the intricate details of how to heal because healing is so 
different for everybody, but it's good to start with a foundation of what the problem is. So the first one is there's more than 50 million survivors of sexual abuse in America. One in three girls are sexually abused before their 18th birthday. One in six boys are sexually abused before their 18th birthday. One in five children are solicited sexually while on the internet before the age of 18. That one's very scary. 33% of sexual abuse is never reported. Nearly 70% of all reported sexual assaults, including sexual assaults on adults, occur occur to children ages 17 and under. It's crazy. 93% of sexual abuse victims know their perpetrator in some way. Approximately 20% of the victims of sexual abuse are under the age of eight. 95% of sexual abuse is preventable through education. So there is hope. 38% of sexual abuse abusers of boys are female. There is worse lasting emotional damage when a child's sexual, a child's sexual abuse started before the age of six and lasted for several years among child, Among children and teen victims of sexual abuse, there is 42% increased chance of suicidal thoughts during adolescence. More than 90% of individuals with a developmental delay or disability will be sexually assaulted at least once in their lifetime. That's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. There are nearly half a million registered sex offenders in the U.S., 80,000 to 100,000 of them are missing. Mm -hmm. A typical pedophile will commit 117 sexual crimes in a lifetime. And that's before they get caught. (sighs) So first, it's very sobering. Oh, yeah. The first thing is if you are a victim of sexual abuse, just know based on these statistics, you are not alone, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many people out there who feel the way you feel, who may feel like their life is totally out of control, that they need help. Yeah. Um, I know that when we talk about the word healing, a lot of people have their own definition. You know, some may want to heal from the shame or the feelings of being totally out of control. Um, Some may want to heal from the reoccurring playing in their mind of the situation. Um, For me, that was something that I wanted to be healed from. Although now I do think about it, I don't have the same like, oh, like feeling in my heart that took place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like God has rescued my mind and my heart from it being devastating to me. So what we want to do is go talk with Kristen about what is healing and is it possible for us to heal? And what does healing actually look like? So Kristen, my first question is, is the trauma of sexual abuse different for different people? And is it worse for children or is it worse for adults? Oh gosh, good questions. (laughs) I think, um, yes, the trauma of sexual abuse is definitely different for different people because we're different, you know? So that's like the simplest way to answer. Yes, it's going to be different. Um, I think that there is some amount of crisscross because trauma tends to have some similarities across, um, because we're all human you know, so, um, but yeah, it may look different for some people. It's, it's, they're experiencing 
um, side effects, so to speak, or effects of the trauma on a daily basis. They may not be aware of why, or they may be very aware of why. And see, those, those are the nuances right there. You know, for mm -hmm. some people, um, they've buried this so deeply and maybe even unintentionally that mm -hmm. they it's hard for them to even access. And if asked, they may even deny. Or so many people, like we've talked about before on here and elsewhere, don't even understand exactly what sexual abuse is. Mm -hmm. And so they then you know, when exposed to pornography by an adult as a child, you know, they think that wasn't sexual abuse. No one touched me, let's say, you know, but that is considered sexual abuse. So just a small example there. So absolutely it can, it can have a, a different effect on each person. For some people, it may not, it may, may not be um, as traumatic as it is for others. And that just depends on so many factors. Think about the fact of someone growing up in a home where they know that they are loved and cared for and protected and they feel safe and something happens, let's say outside of the home, right? They're so much more likely to come and tell that adult caregiver or parent what has happened because there's a there's safety already there. There's good soil happening. But let's say you have someone who doesn't have that. So they're already unsafe emotionally. They don't have a safe environment at home. Something happens outside of the home or in the home. It's quite possible they have no one to tell. I'm talking about mm -hmm. a child there, right? Um, is it worse for children over adults? I think it's so hard to compare because, um, I mean, children are vulnerable. They're dependent upon us as adults to take care of them. So we have that going on right there. It's going to be a real different effect too, um, I would say, because children are also still developing, you know, dependent upon where they are in their age. I mean, there's so much development and growth going on. And so something mm -hmm. happening to disrupt that, um, like sexual abuse, can be devastating. However, not impossible to work through and heal from later on. Um, when a trauma like sexual assault or abuse happens to an adult, it's gonna have different effects. They may already have, like we talked about, right? Like if they had that good, um, healthy environment growing up, they're gonna have a level of probably resilience and safety and potentially a support system to go back to. And think of how much better off, I would say that they can be to heal Right. They're kind of set up for like, you know, some potential good healing there because they have a good, healthy support. But that's not a lot of people. And, and we know that, too. You know, so, mm -hmm. again, that's not insurmountable is what I would say. But, yeah, it's going to look different for everyone. And, you know, children or adults. It's hard to compare. Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to compare. It's going to be different because it's, it's not good any which way you look at it. Part of me, I think, just naturally feels a whole lot of anger when I'm thinking about a child experiencing anything like this, but you can feel the same thing with, you know, about an adult too, because all of it's wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to add to the part where you talked about um, having that safe soil and like that good environment to talk sure. about it. You may have, you may have had that growing up and still never told your parents. So just Absolutely. saying that Absolutely. It's only yeah. because you maybe were afraid you um, maybe felt that for some reason it was your fault. Maybe the perpetrator or the person made you feel that way, whatever. There's so many different variables that can add to why that happened. Yeah. I will just add myself to that is I did have a great family growing up. I did have that safe, supportive context. We just did not talk about our bodies or our um, 
anything sexual in that way, but, um, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that was cultural norms and also just the way my parents grew up, you know, so those things were off the table, which never left, let me feel safe to talk about that type of stuff. So there's a lot of variables in, in that. Um, but I also want to just read something. So I was researching that question just because I'd love to know myself. Sure. Um, and I thought that I could share this with you guys. Um, for children or young adults, your first views into what relationships are of what it means to be you come from your environment, the people in your household, your school, your community, and your interactions in those arenas. Yeah. And so if you're going through trauma and it's not dealt with or addressed, then that leaves you lasting impact of how you view the world. World, how you interact with others, what you believe about yourself, or what's appropriate, what's okay, what's normal, your normal becomes different. And I thought that was really interesting, because <clears throat> it's really piggybacking off what you said, but just sort of for that older person who's just like a teenager, or just mm-hmm. maybe in that 12, 13, or a little bit older, it's almost like they could be more altered as as who they were meant to be their personality and everything Mm -hmm. if sexual you know if sexually abused at that age as opposed to a child which I think it could be a child could be totally changed too because the bottom line is that God created you to be who you were when you were born and when somebody violated you that changed so it altered something in you um doesn't matter the age that that happened but when you're an adult, you re- like, I remember I've shared this before the, when I was um, visually sexually abused by the guy who pulled up to me and was masturbating in the car. I, that will stick with me. I see, I see his shirt. I see his car color. I know his face, like every detail. I mean, I remember it so vividly, but now ask me, you know, what happened when I was six, I only remember bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Yeah, which can happen too. Memory is a really, um, I know we're going to get into that a little bit later, but yeah, memory is a very unique thing. (laughs) It is. Um, Okay, so over the last year or so, there has been a, probably more than that, the last year, I would say since since certain movements came to to light and people have kind of been um, like big name stars, like producers and things like that have actually been convicted Bill Cosby, one of them is the first one that comes to my mind. Um, Since that time, um, has this been a good thing or a bad thing for for survivors in the way of walking through healing? You know, I think a lot of what we've spoken about in the past is the fact that there's been a lot of attention brought to the fact these things happen, but I don't know that there's been that much attention on healing and -hmm. getting help, right? Yeah. Um, I think maybe um, bring, trying to bring some amount of justice. I think, I think we've probably to some degree taken steps, some steps forward in that area, mm-hmm. you know, for people to actually bring justice. I mean, Bill Cosby is an example. He is in prison for what he did. So uh, some justice has happened. Does that take away the pain of the person who went through it? No, absolutely not. Can't, does it do something? I think so. But yeah, the healing portion is probably what has, I think, been missing. So I think it's done some good to bring awareness, to have some more um, normalcy for acknowledging the significance of the problems of sexual, you know, the, the fact that sexual abuse is so 
way more prevalent than it should be. Mm -hmm. Um, but the healing part, you know, thank God for trees of hope because in organizations like that, right. Because, um, that's not, I don't think that's been talked about as much at all. Yeah. And you can definitely see, we've mentioned this, but you can see the difference between somebody who's out for justice Mm -hmm. only and has not gone through healing. I'm not saying that we should be like, I forgive you, move on type thing. And yeah, maybe that's one day like Jesus moment, you know, but there's a different type of approach in dealing with that person in the amount that that the victim survivor shares about their situation. Um, I have found when women go too deep into their story, Mm. they are, they need to go through still, they need to go through healing still because mm-hmm. it's almost like I get re-victimized when I hear parts of a story that's just too much. In other words, so you're saying, so like just like someone telling their story and the graphic detail of it yeah. without the, they and what would I say? And not necessarily selling, uh, telling rather yeah. the redemptive nature right. of it. Like the fact that they have processed through some things or what they've learned or how they've grown. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Like just the retelling. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. there's no, you can tell that there was a block when it yeah. came to really penetrating into their heart right. that they mm-hmm. need to go through healing, that this is a healing journey that yeah. they may be just in the beginning stages of it or whatever. And that they're really regurgitating yes. what's going on in their heart. Still. And I would, and I would say too, on, you know, on that note, that I think that we, for a lot of different reasons, we can go off and we can have a whole podcast uh, show on, on that. that. <laughs> uh, but I think that our culture tends to be really voyeuristic. They want to see, we can all want to see everything and think that we need a camera in every place with everything happening. And there has been, of course, some good and again, justice that has come out of that. But there, I think there also has been some damage that's come out of that because there's a level of not, um, I think we've sometimes lost what's sacred. Retelling your mm-hmm. story is an important part of the healing process, but mm-hmm. it's okay to also have control of your story. Mm-hmm. You may only need to retell your story to one, that one person that you have chosen to retell your story to your, your journey also may be such like, especially like for you, Nicole, I mean, like your courage in retelling your story has been so purposeful. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean? that's such an important part of what you do with trees of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, but I think sometimes um, we can get way too caught up and just help her this telling for the sake of telling. Sorry. Yeah, I think we can get so caught up and yeah, just telling for the sake of telling. And then sometimes I think people, we can, we can all be guilty of being just too curious. I don't know that we need all the details. Yeah, I agree. All the documentaries that are out right now, even on like whatever show, whatever um subscription service or whatever. It's sometimes just plain and simple too much. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the only statement I'll leave on that note is I really feel that anything that shines lightness, light onto darkness Mm -hmm. is a good thing. Um, How that all goes into 
you know, sharing your story, not sharing your story is definitely a personal journey. And that's totally up to the person, which actually leads me into my next question. Um, So should a survivor go public with their story? Um, You know, maybe they don't have the the job that I have. And is, is it a requirement or should every survivor share their story? That's a great question. Um, I think that um, no, it's not a requirement at all, ever. There's nothing that's a requirement in my opinion. Um, I'm sure I can figure out there's something that is. Wear a seatbelt, please. That's a requirement. Um, but uh, it's personal, just like what you said. I think it's so personal to the person, you know, you're, you, anyone listening may be that person that it's, um, your story is going to be used to encourage other people to come forward, to encourage other people to go, you know, move toward healing or something. Everyone's different, you know, and, and, but for some people too, your story may just be, like I said, for that one person, two people or whatever, and you may not be ready to share your story and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. It cannot be someone else's timeline. And I think we have to respect that. Telling someone that is safe and trustworthy at some point, I do think is an important part because that tends to really help to decrease the shame, which is mm-hmm. such a huge part of sexual abuse is mm-hmm. the shame that is inserted, inserted along with the abuse. You know, it's like it it's immediately comes. Um, and I think that bringing it out into the light really takes away a lot of that shame. However, it has to be done on your terms because the sexual abuse for someone who's been through it, it was not done on their terms. It was obviously, it was not, I don't care what the story is. It was not your terms. Mm -hmm. So the telling of your story needs to be on your terms and too soon is not a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, that's probably something, as you guys know, I always like to be vulnerable and I want to admit when I've done something that maybe just didn't feel like to my core, like it was the wisest thing to do. But I know in my beginning journeys of my being sexually abused, there was like a one size fit all for me. It was like, this is how you heal right? You follow these steps, you go through this program, you do this amount of counseling. And, and that was, that's not reality at all. I have found that it's way more black, way more gray, less black and white. And that it's not this go ahead and write a letter or speak about it on a platform, talk about it on social media. You'll feel so free. No, I may have said that in the past and that that was where I was in the past, but now I am definitely in the place of being more like there is no one size fits all for people. There is no cookie cutter. Your journey is your journey and it has to be your journey. And it doesn't just because I did it one way, doesn't mean that you have to follow my steps. They may be a good foundation for you, but they may not work. So thank you for being so honest about that too, Nicole. I'm really you know, and I think that's so, what you just said too, is so important. That was where you were at. And I think that goes for all of us. We only know what we know at the time we know it. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So my next question is what is the healing process? Um, I just want to preface that when we, when I started at Trees of Hope and I changed some of the stuff that we're going to be providing, which is our curriculum. One of the things that I changed was the verbiage that I did not like, which was recovery, recovering from sexual abuse. 
I didn't like that because it sounded like I was, it sounded more of like an attic term that I was not comfortable with. Healing is, it's an ongoing process. It's, um, you're restoring back is what the definition is, is to restore back to, you know, what you were meant to be or who you were meant to be. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm putting more words onto that. So I'd love to hear from you. What is the healing process? What does it look like to some? And yeah, we just kind of talked about that, but like, what are some practical steps someone can take or spiritual steps? Yeah, I think a lot of it at first has to do with the acknowledgement of what has happened or that something is wrong. You may not understand fully what has happened. You may have bits and pieces in your mind of what has happened. So, okay, something's wrong. Something's not working right. Or you may know fully well. Okay. So whatever it is, I think one of the first steps is saying something's wrong. Something happened to me. Now finding that safe person is probably a really important part of the journey here because just trying to like power through it alone, you can, but we would of course encourage you to find someone safe to talk to, whether that's a close friend, a therapist, um, a pastor, like someone that you trust and you feel safe with. This is not someone that you really don't feel safe with and you're going to force yourself because you need to tell somebody, no, 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 please don't do that. Find someone that you you genuinely feel safe with and that you feel like that you can trust and tell them what how you're feeling, what's going on there. Then I think that, um, you know, it, it depends on, on what kind of you're feeling from there. I think sometimes professional help is needed, especially if we're talking about anything that is potentially life-threatening. You know, if you're talking about feelings of depression that are so severe that you're thinking about harming yourself, please get professional help. That is what us therapists are here for. Um, that is not something you ignore, push down, deny. That's not going to help you. So um, so that kind of begins the process, acknowledging what happened. Then I think it's allowing yourself to experience the emotions of that. And that's heavy duty stuff, guys. And this is why we're recommending doing it with someone or doing it with like a healing group of Trees of Hope or something, you know, like you need support in going through this because mm-hmm. the emotions are a lot and you can have emotions that you're not going to understand. Why am I even feeling this way? And let's say too, part of your survival has been to stuff all your emotions away. So to suddenly allow all these emotions to come out can be overwhelming if you don't know what to do with them or you don't have any support, so you need support. So mm-hmm. acknowledging something is wrong, getting support somehow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, allowing yourself to feel what you need to feel um, and stating also in part of that process in there is the feelings is also stating what's my responsibility and what's not. It is your responsibility to own what you're feeling now and what you're choosing to do in your life now, based on what may have happened. It is mm-hmm. not your responsibility. What happened to you in the past? Mm-hmm. I don't care how smart you think you maybe were, you know, mm-hmm. it is not your fault that whatever it was happened at whatever age it happened, whether it was last year or 25, 30 years ago. So um, then I think from there, uh, the spiritual portion of it too is, you know, listen, we have a God that is not afraid of us being real with him. And it's okay to go with all of our conflicted emotions to him and to say, where were you? Why did this happen to me? Those are hard questions that people don't have. We don't have answers for other than the Lord tells us the fact that we are in an imperfect, fallen, sinful world, and we will have trouble in this world. So 
does that explain everything? Does that explain why bad things happen to kids and, and so forth? No, you know, um, yes and no. Um, but our God is loving and he wants to walk you through this. And the irony of it is, is so many times when people are so wounded, they block, can block God out when that's the very person that they need because that is the only person that can heal you. And I think too, from there, we have to look at the effects. We have to look at boundaries. A lot of times our boundaries are all messed up. You know, um, we don't stand up necessarily for ourselves or we overly, you know, do it and we keep everybody at a distance and like, don't let anybody close to us. Right. So there's so many variables from there, but I also think that addressing our spiritual condition and figuring out where we are there and, um, and getting again someone around you that has a good understanding of who God is, that He's loving and accepting and approachable, you know, and going to Him and getting real because He will help you heal, you yeah. know, through this process. I think that's that's some of it at least to start with from there. And then again, there's a lot of different things to work on, whether it's working on the trauma stuff, um, the boundary stuff, and all of it's a little bit interwoven, um, you know. But that's some mm-hmm. starting. Yeah. And like, I mean, you literally just sounded to me like all the chapters that we have in our curriculum, because it is a very, it's a very systematic process that we offer in our, in our healing um, program. It's everything that she said is literally spelled out. Like, you know, we don't ask you to go to forgiveness in chapter one. We got a lot of the different things that we have to work through before we can even get there. And one of the things that you just brought brought up that I love the most that stood out was um, about how we run from God when he should be the first person that we go to. And I think if we're all being honest, we all do it, not just about sexual abuse. It has to become something that is a part of your daily life, even in small things. So that may be a hard thing to do. That may be something like you're not, I'm not ready there to go there yet with God and ask him about that tough stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then start off with, um, you know, uh, your work, start off with your day, like asking God and, and going to him and asking for his help on those small things. And then when you're ready, because I was a Christian for many, many years before I addressed that mm-hmm. many years. And so I be, I got saved, became a born again, Christian. I got baptized. I did all of that. And then it wasn't until like 10 years later where God wanted to deal with that. Yep. I didn't come to God and go, okay, now I'm ready to deal with all of this. Like it was like, you know, spaced out. Right. <laughs> dealing with different things. So I'm yeah. just saying that it may feel overwhelming to go there now. Yeah. Great absolutely. start. Yes. And I think too that I, I believe that the Lord is so tenderhearted with us. I know he shows us where our wounds are and allows us to make a choice to come to mm-hmm. him for healing. Mm-hmm. If, if things are being pointed out to you in your life where you have wounds, like from sexual abuse or sexual trauma, or whatever has happened to you, there's a reason they're being pointed out. It is not to torture you. It is probably because God wants to bring healing to your life. That's how he's always worked in mine. And that's how he's worked with everyone I've worked with. It's like, there's a reason this is coming up and we have a choice. We don't have to come to him to ask for healing and we don't have to deal with it, but likely if we leave it, what happens when we leave a cut or a wound 
and we don't address it properly and clean it out and put a bandage on it, what's going to happen? It's going to get infected. Yeah. So, so true. Will happen emotionally. Love that. That was a great analogy. Um, okay. So I know that we talked about a few times forgetting the details of um, what has happened. I've heard people say to me many times, I don't recall. I don't recall. I just know that I didn't like the way I felt or whatever. And I, it's hard for me to like in re, re, to, to, to really tell them like you've been sexually abused because I don't want to like implant thoughts into their mind, but I always go off the way that they felt, how it made them feel. Sure. So can you speak into that? Yeah, I think that um, sometimes with trauma, um, because our bodies go into a fight, flight or freeze mode, um, mm -hmm. a lot of times our memories for what happened during the traumatic experience um, are a bit, uh, can be sparse, you know, and so it's just pieces, sense, feelings, and not necessarily like an orderly um, recollection of what mm -hmm. happened that particular day or those instances. Like when you got up this morning, took a shower and so on and so forth, Nicole, right? Like me, we probably remember the day pretty well. Like I remember yeah. what I did today. I can tell you what I ate. Like it's a normal yeah. day. Normal days um, are like that. Our memory tends to be orderly and pretty much intact. For trauma, it tends to be different. For some people, um, though, they do remember exactly what happened in like this sequential order. But for a lot of people, mm -hmm. it is fragmented, and that's mm -hmm. just because so much of you, so many of your systems were shutting down to survive, and that is mm -hmm. a, that our bodies were set up that way because we mm -hmm. can't keep everything in our higher functioning online to survive a traumatic situation. It's overload. Mm -hmm. So it's like mm -hmm. systems start to shut down. So just the basics, mm -hmm. so you can survive. Right. So that wasn't your body doing something bad, you know, to you to do that. That was just, that was survival. survival. Um, yeah. And so, you know, um, I think helping, if someone is literally saying they just remember how they felt, I, I hear that. And I don't know that I would, I would be very cautious also in saying you've been sexually abused. I, that's not, I don't think that's necessarily for someone else to say that now. It's different if someone tells me such and such and such has happened. I don't think there's a sexual abuse. Yes, I can sit there and say, actually, that was. That's different. Mm -hmm. But if someone has a general feeling, I think it's probably what I would say is it's probably something that they can explore with a safe person, probably even ideally a therapist, then kind of help them walk through exploring that. And I think the other thing is too, honestly, is to pray. Pray like, Lord, if there's something else for me to see in this, help me to see it. And sometimes right. it's for our own protection that we can't see certain things. Right. So true. Yeah. Yeah. You actually just reminded me of like my first couple of weeks here at Trees of Hope. I ended up getting a phone call and a girl was kind of sharing something with me. And I felt like she was sharing that she, she was telling me, I don't want to tell you this story because I think it's sexual abuse, but I don't want to call it that. And I was like, I was like the new activist on the street. I was like, girl, you were sexually abused. You needed to get fit. You need to get help. I'm like, oh my God, you know? And then now thinking back, I'm like, oh dear Jesus, I hope that girl is not like destroyed somewhere, which I'm sure she's not. I, I'm more than positive she's not. Um, but I'm just saying like, 
I think it's important to be cautious about those things and say things like what you just said. If somebody is sharing a story and they're not sure, because now that you listen to this podcast, it may happen where you get into a conversation with somebody and they're like, yeah, you know, one time when I was younger, like something happened with me. I can't remember the details. I just know I didn't like the feeling or whatever. And you could say, like, is it something that you want to explore with somebody and say that or say something like, well, hey, if you are a Christian, say, like, I would pray about that and see if God reveals to you something. What do you want to do? Absolutely. Yeah. If something, yeah, something I, I, this is silly, but I remember also when I first got first uh, started walking through healing, I now was looking at all of my past relationships of in that light of like, okay, did he sexually abuse me? Did that boyfriend, did this guy, you know, now I was like, Oh, when I was dating this guy. So I started labeling every, every experience as sexual abuse. And I was like, you know, I started going nuts. Then I had to take a step back and I said, God, I'm begging you, please make it clear to me because I can't, Mm -hmm. this is too overwhelming for me right now. I know I'm walking through healing, but I'm not like asking for my vision to be like for, for me to see all these things like, right. And then it all of a sudden came to me like, no, no, no. Those were, you know, loving relationships that, you know, you may not have been in, they shouldn't have been in, but still they, they had no intent to harm you or anything like that. Yeah. So those were good. Um, Okay. So my next question is, is, why do some people abuse others? Great question too, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. An easy answer to that. No, not that. And, you know, listen, that's, of course, that's not easy at all. All these are so complicated, you know, because there's so many nuances. So I think sometimes it's because um, that person has experienced abuse themselves as they repeat the pattern. That's a lot of times what it is. However, that does not mean None of these are hundred percent. So it doesn't mean that because you've experienced abuse, you were therefore then going to abuse others. I'm not saying that, but a lot of times there is um, a repeating of the patterns, you know, especially when that something happened to someone as a child, um, they can repeat those patterns. Sometimes it is anger and power and control. Um, sometimes it's unwellness, you know? Um, yeah, I would, be cautious to say, yeah, it's, I think a variety of things like that Yeah, yeah is what I would say. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to add my two cents on this and this comes sure. straight from our rise magazine. So we, you know, obviously, like she said, we can, we can only speculate what somebody's reasonings are. Um, but a lot of times abuse in itself is more of like a control thing, whether that's physical or sexual. So you'll hear from women who are being physically abused by their husbands or whatever. Um, a lot of times it's for them to feel a sense of power and control over their wife or, or partner yeah. or whatever. And a lot of times it's for that person to feel powerful, like I said, but also dominating. Um, and it's not about a lot of times it's not just about sexual gratification, although that can be the outcome, but I have heard from some people who basically were in prison and they were able to give their stories of why they abused children after. And it was like, they too went through a shame like cycle. So they would sexually abuse a child. They would feel this power and control that would sort of overwhelm them. They would 
have um, an outcome, uh, like, you know, a, a physical outcome from that. And then they would beat themselves up about their body doing that act. Yeah. And it's like, hello. Um, then, so think about Bill Cosby, like we had talked about before. Um, he had plenty of money. He had prestige. He right. had, he could have had any woman. I mean, oh, he was so gross to me, but I'm sure women were like, you know, you are, you're Bill Cosby. Um, but for them, it wasn't about the willingness. It was about the wielding of power. So to me, that's real strong. And Abusive behavior crosses all socioeconomic groups. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, or what your bank account is. Sure, it can be something that people can deal with. So if somebody is sorrowful for their acts, that's, yeah, I think somebody can be helped, like a mental health counselor can sort of help them through how to not have those acts or how to um, make sure they if they do feel them, what are some coping things or what are some changes in mindset that they could have? Well, but if they don't, then no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. Go. go. I was hey. just going to say, I, the one thing I would say though, and um, is if, for, if someone had, if an adult has abused a child, mm-hmm. um, they should not sexually abuse a child. They should not be around, be allowed to be around children. Yes. Again. Period. That's that the consequences. Right. Well, that is one thing that there are specific therapies for um, people who have done that, who haven't, who obviously we've just talked about, there's multiple reasons why abuse happens, um, but particularly for, um, yeah, sexual abuse of a child from an adult, um, they should not be um, um, around children ever again, I would say unattended. Um, And there are specific um, therapies for them, but they need to see someone who is a specialist. There are people that specialize in working um, with mm-hmm. men or women that have um, have abused children in the past. And so there's, there's help, but mm. our, our children have to be protected. Mm. And so um, the likelihood of it happening again for someone who, like I'm particular, someone who has an attraction Who's, mm-hmm. who reports having an attraction to children, um, that is, it's, they can get help, but that is not something that they should, they cannot be around children again. Just yeah, I, I know. That's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, and the big, the big question out there is when a parent who has sexually abused their child and that child gets taken away from them through DCF or whatever it is. I don't mm-hmm. know the name of the company that does that, but I'm assuming that's what it's called. Um, it is. And then get put back in that parent's care after that. I have seen it happen. Of A few of my friends have foster children and they're, someone in their family was accused of sexually abusing and their children are going back to this family. I'm in shock. Agreed. So. <laughs> I'm like, well, basically what I would say, I, I agree because I think, um, I think the studies have shown you just know that's not something. It is not worth the risk. That person can still lead a life that can be meaningful. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anyone is unworthy of life. Um, but around children, no. Yeah. 
Oh, thank God. There's a reason thank for, God. For registering as a sex offender and so forth. There's a reason for those things. Right. You know, even though like we talked about in the statistic, you know, it's not a perfect system either, but there's a reason for that. Yeah. Okay. So my last question is, is how do we help somebody that has been sexually abused to sort of sure. wrap this up? Yeah. Okay. So remember, we've talked a lot about it's going to look different for everyone. And then one of the most important things is that the, your healing process is your healing process. You make the choices for it. So I think that's a big thing in answering this question. That is the person themselves journey and choice have, they have choices to make. So we cannot force someone to face what has happened, to deal with what has happened, to acknowledge what has happened, to want healing for that matter. I'd love to have that level of power sometimes because believe me, I want healing and wellness for people. Anyone that comes to see me and that's, I think most therapists, we want that, you know, but my, my desire for that, for that person can't supersede their willingness or their readiness. So how do you support someone? Patience, love, grace, support without trying to do it for them. I can't walk out a healing journey for someone else. You can't, you know, no, we can't do that. And that's hard when you see someone, let's say that, you know, is hurting or is hurting that continuously hurting themselves and maybe not in a physical way, but let's say just really bad relationships or, or negative unhealthy choices for the life. It's so hard not to want to jump in and intervene in that, you know, and I think we can lovingly dependent upon our relationship with the person, challenge them or encourage them to get help, you know, or tell them how painful it is for what we see in their lives. But I think at the same time, we have to have a level of respect for the fact that they're an individual and they have to make the choices for themselves. It's hard. Yeah. We can't do it for them. If you have yeah. a cut on your arm, I can't like, I'm going to just clean my arm really, really well. And it's going to like help your cut. It doesn't, you see, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Right? It doesn't work. So mm-hmm. patience, support, respect for boundaries. If that person says, I am not ready to deal with that. Like this is not your story or whatever, back off. You need to probably back off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they're having a hard time. So just love, you know, love them. What, what can I do to help you? What can I do to be there for you? Do you want me just to come over? You know, do you want to go on a walk or something like that's okay too. Cause for some people, you may know someone that's going through this process and they're willing to have you around or you be a part of it. So just ask them what they need. Don't assume what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And then the, I mean, for my input on this is I have lots of friends that have yet to go through what I've experienced. And what I have found for myself is just let them know you're here, you're there, you believe them like, wow. And when they do, yeah, validate them. And when they do have certain steps of growth, don't know what those look like, but I really do think that you'll you'll feel it when they're talking to you. Maybe they're talking more about it. Maybe they said they're seeing a counselor. Maybe, you know, they wrote a letter. I don't know. It could be so many different things. You just, man, I'm so proud of you. I cannot tell you how proud I am. I can think of right now, I have a girlfriend and that friend is always asking me questions about my job and what I do and how it's affecting people, blah, blah. blah. And it wasn't until just the other day that, you know, Hey, I might want to go through one of the treat, one of the groups or individual studies, or which one do you recommend? I could have easily just been like, 
oh my God, this is the day. Like, yes. But in my heart, I was like that. But I was like, awesome. Whatever you need. I said, here's all the resources you need. If you need me to guide you along the way, but I, it's, you've, you've got everything you need. That's, yeah. and I took a step back because I recognize it has to be her journey and it has to be her story yeah. and the outcome of it, of it has to be on her timeline and everything like that. So Okay. Well, I know Kristen, you got to go. And I just want to thank you guys for being here. This was such a great episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. We will see you next time on not just a hashtag. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one. Make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.